Hello and welcome everybody to episode 16 of Behind Kentucky Basketball. My name is Mets Canfield, joined by Brent Carney. Brent, that was some fun basketball on Thursday night. Yeah, we were just talking about before we hit record. It was awesome. Duke Carolina was just Duke Carolina. I mean, just awesome. Another, yeah, another great game. Great game, played at a high level. Both those teams obviously are super talented. And then right on the heels of it, a little double feature with UCLA Oregon, which was uh, good, and it's always I think beneficial, you know, to check in on those Pac-12 games. That conference is really uh, pretty strong this year, but you know, especially I mean, at the top. Yeah, and we have, uh, but all of us, I mean, uh, the collective uh, east part of the country, we have lives to live. It's hard to step and watch basketball yeah, until midnight, sure. much as I'd like to. Not always easy, but last night was a good excuse to do it. And, uh, man, yeah, it was a ton of fun. So good way to get into our Friday morning podcast, which you, sh- you should probably explain. There's a couple well, good reasons why we're doing this a little bit later in the week. So the reason we're doing this Friday is in part because Thursday we were kind of – both of us were, were up against it trying to finish up this Meet the Wildcats feature that we did on Hamadou Diallo. And it's something that we, we told you guys about uh, a couple weeks ago. But it's been so busy around here that it just, you know, kept getting pushed back and pushed back. And, you know, we knew that Hamadou is going to be available to the rest of the media uh, today, which is Friday, February 10th. And, uh, you know, we wanted to make sure we got that out, you know, before everybody else. So the exclusivity of it uh, was was even more important. Yeah. It's just hard, though, when, like you said, He's not playing, and there's so much going on with the team on the court day-to-day. Right. So, and, but well, it's good to revisit it after a few weeks. And another reason that we pushed it back was one of the things we want to do in today's podcast is talk about the NCAA tournament uh, select preview show for the selection, uh, and that's Saturday. And as we were just talking about, you have Duke, UN, uh, Duke UNC and Oregon-UCLA. Those are four really good teams right there that – you know, the outcome of that game was going to have a major impact or a potential impact at least on what seed they might get in this preview show on Saturday. And so we didn't really feel like it would be smart to do our own top six or our own, you know, 16 teams that we're going to do later in the show. And then a few hours later, that game happened and us be like, all right, this oh, a this is already dated. Yeah. And, and now, and for, for the committee that is, uh, doing this kind of first draft they're done they were working through thursday as well now that doesn't say a ton since it's coming out saturday before the game starts saturday and there's never really much going on on friday night in college basketball landscape but so they've seen everything that we've seen that you've seen as you're listening to this and and i gotta say just by going through it and obviously they go into much greater detail than we do yes i mean it is it is a process we will be giving kind of our stab at you know, when we watch these teams and when we, you know, look at the resumes, but not as in-depth as they are, um, this is what we see. Right. And it's still, I think, it's still a difficult job. Yeah. In I've fact, s- it may be easier for us to do it from kind of that 30,000-foot view than when you really get in there in the granular level and you're splitting you airs. Right. Yeah. Because the the numbers and what metric you choose to look at, you talk about it's difficult in March when the regular season's over, it, it seems even you're just adding another element when we're kind of in the middle of the stream. Yeah. I mean, before not getting too into detail, but 
you know, I was looking at, I remember it was West Virginia and Virginia, and I think that I favored Virginia's uh, resume, and then I was like, well, West Virginia beat Virginia, and I'm pretty sure it was in Charlottesville, and I was like, well, that I don't feel like I should put UVA over, over West Virginia just for that reason. So like you said, I mean, the more in-depth you get, the more confusing it gets. And I think, it, and, and you can speak to this because I know you've probably read about it too, but they're working this, this ad hoc committee formed by the coaches association of which Coach Cal is a member is helping the committee kind of come up with some new ways to make this process more transparent, make it more uniform. Hey, let's all look at about the same stuff when obviously when it is a 10 member committee, each each person's going to have their own way of, of handling it. But the process, they're, they're trying to kind of improve the, the workflow and how this thing operates, but it's just never going to be that that easy. There's always going to yeah. be a level of subjectivity to yeah. it. And when you have that many teams, it's really hard. That's why they're only doing the top, you know, 16 teams for this previous show, which I think is fine. And that's why it's yeah. not going to be a weekly thing like right. it w- w- is for the college football playoffs. Right. It gets a little bit more difficult. Or even for women's basketball, they've yeah. done two of them. But all right, well, we're going to get to that. But but first, I guess it, it makes sense to review uh, kind of where we stand after this week because a lot's sure. gone down this week. Yeah, and and also, I guess one more thing to, to put in there is today's Friday, February 10th. We would like to wish a happy birthday ah. to Mr. John Calipari. Happy birthday to Coach Cal. Yes. It's amazing how many people uh, in the – uh, Big Blue Nation, as it were, realize that it's his birthday too, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, Twitter's already tons of people on Twitter are asking, does he get birthday brownies as well? The burning questions. Yeah. Maybe we'll find out at uh, the media opportunity later today. See, it seems like that should be the first matter of yeah. business. Opening question. Right. Yeah. Okay, but yes, let's uh, let's really dive into this episode of Behind Kentucky Basketball, and we'll start by talking about a reboot and. Coach Cal really first talked about this on Monday's uh, radio show, which, again, I will urge you guys, you should listen to it. It's really good. A lot of news breaks. um, It's a fun time. Anyway, he said on the radio show that he's installing a a reboot with this team, and he chose the word reboot as opposed to tweak because, as he said, in 2014, the team – hadn't ever really shown what it could be yet. And so he wanted to tweak to, you know, see if it could become that. The word reboot, I believe, is appropriate because at the beginning of this season, this team was fantastic. It was number one in the country. It was blowing teams out. It was setting records left and right, two triple doubles. I mean, just really, really impressive play. And the goal for Coach Cal now and the staff is – Let's reboot and get back to that because somewhere along the way, different things happened and now there's different things that the team's trying to fix, you know, fixing the offense, fixing the defense, getting, you know, certain players more involved, all that kind of thing. So, you know, power down, power up. That's that's what I kind of deem it as. Your computer's struggling, power down, power up, see if it, it fixes the problem. And, you know, what do these guys say almost to a man year after year when they come in here is that, hey, Coach Cal keeps it real. He tells it yeah. like it is. And this is telling it like it is with this team. It's, it, you know, and not that this was like his first step in, you know, solving a problem is admitting a problem. He's talked about the things that he hasn't 
loved about the direction of the program for weeks before the losses kind of uh, started. But this is really saying, hey, it's all out on the table, and we need to look no further than what we did earlier in the season as a place to start to get things back on track. Yeah, and, and I know a lot of people are, you know, pressing the panic button, but, you know, I would tell those people, look, we've seen it. Everybody here has seen it. This team can play at whatever level you want to call it. It's a really high level. So while the past few games haven't been at that level, you know that it's there. It's not a, It's not a dream of, you know, I think we could play at a certain level if we do these things. It's No, we know that they can play at this level. It's just a matter of doing it. Yeah, you have to find some comfort in that, and you have to find some comfort in that not only have we seen it before with this team, but year to year we've seen uh, where there are some bumps in January or February that really get uh, kind of battle-hardened and the rough edges get sharpened by the time March rolls around. So, yeah, when as you reach for that panic button, just kind of, you know, talk yourself off the ledge yep. a little bit and, and we'll, we'll see how it goes. But it will make for an interesting few weeks to see – how this team takes to the reboot. Yeah, so that reboot, uh, the first practice with the reboot was Monday, and then they played LSU on Tuesday. And for 32 minutes of the 40-minute game, the reboot was a rousing success. It was, I mean, Kentucky looked looked strong. Perhaps not at the level of earlier in the year, but certainly much better than it has looked recently. I think especially offensively. You could just yes. see there was a little more uh, more ball movement. Ball movement, just energy, just seemed yes. a lot like the team you saw earlier in the season for 32 minutes. Yeah. And then the final eight minutes, uh, it was a revert uh, back to, you know, or it was a reversion back to uh, how they've played lately. And, and quite frankly, it's it wasn't good. And Coach Cal, you know, wouldn't argue that point. Um, the good stuff would be, you know, in part, winning Gabriel was fantastic. In the first half, you know, he set a career high in the first half alone. Uh, finished with 23 points, uh, 7-11 from the field, hit three three-pointers, which ties a career high, played 31 minutes, which is a career high. He looked very good. And after that Florida game, Coach Cal said, you know, our four position He's playing back to how it was at the beginning of the year. We need to get that guy back to how Winion and Derek were playing in the Mississippi State game, the Auburn game, the South Carolina game. That was really helping that team along. And as we discussed on this podcast, as you brought up, perhaps that's why Kentucky was able to win those games because it wasn't really playing that well. But the four position was playing exceptionally, and that might have taken him over the top. But then when the four man kind of reverted back to the beginning of the year, nobody else went back to the beginning of the year, and so the team hit that new low. Right, for the four-man going back to the beginning of the year is not what don't necessarily want to reboot with that. But, you know, it also, I think, stands the reason that the four-man would play a little better collectively, no matter who it is, if it's Derek or it's Winion, uh, when that ball is moving more because Cal has said all year he wants those guys to be play finishers. So it only yes. stands to reason that if you're making that one more pass, mm-hmm. you know, those corner three-pointers, um, those are there. Those plays are going to be there to finish more if the ball is, is moving more. Now the other half of what 
I think they're really hoping to get from that position is the energy and the rebounding, and that's where you have to really tip your cap to Winion because although he was making shots and finishing those extra pass plays, he also was bringing the energy himself and getting on the glass, and there were some second effort points there too. So Definitely. it was just a total effort by him. was really good. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so Kentucky led by 16 at halftime. And they led by 24 points with less than seven minutes left in the game. And then it all just went south. Uh, LSU went on a 31-13 to run to cut it to six with, I think, 14 seconds left. Um, you know, the, the, numbers, the numbers are, you know, it's night and day. Uh, LSU shot 37.5% in the first half. They shot 62.5% in the second half. It, LSU's the fifth straight team to shoot 53% or better in the second half against Kentucky. They're the second straight team to shoot over 60% in the second half. Um, LSU's 58 second half points is the most by a UK opponent in any half. And after going two for 12 from three-point range in the first half, LSU hit eight of 11 in the second half. Those are the bad numbers. You know, but Kentucky gets the win. And what Coach Cow said afterwards was, you know, if we could practice right now, we practiced for three hours. The game finished around 10 p.m. <laughs> Math means that that's 1 a.m. Uh, instead, they did the three-hour practice on Wednesday. And as Coach Cow tweeted, you know, nobody puked, which is a good thing. That's a victory. Uh, but they had to help each other off the floor. You know, it, and that's, you know, I know some, some fans were like, you know what, we like seeing that from Coach Cow and, you know, it's clear that he's not messing around, that this he's taking this seriously um, and wants to get the problem fixed. And the next opportunity for that will be Saturday against at Alabama. Yeah, I was over there. We were shooting some stuff for the coaches show uh, on Wednesday. You could just feel like it was it was it was about to go down. In there, you know, there was just kind of this. I was like, man, let's get out of here before, <laughs> before. It, I don't want to get caught in the tidal wave that's coming. So they got after it, and uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I, I think it's a fun time for for a road game, and and again, uh, to see. Let's let's see how this reboot goes. Let's see how the uh, life after this three hour practice goes. He was clearly frustrated by the last eight minutes of that game. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what what the team has to say later today when we get to talk to him in kind of that day-before-the-game media deal. A couple, a couple of positives from the game was, you know, Kentucky got dominated on the glass at Florida by 25. is the the largest rebounding margin in the Calipari era. Against LSU, Kentucky won the battle of the boards by 14. So that's a positive. Uh, the negative would be that while Kentucky beat LSU 14-8 on the offensive glass, they outscored them just 12 to 11 on second chance points. So you would like to see Kentucky do a better job of finishing on second chance opportunities. Um, it was also, you know, it wasn't by much, but it was the first time since January 14th that UK had a positive assist to turnover ratio. Um, but still, and we'll talk about this, we'll, we'll talk about it right now. Over the past seven games, Kentucky has seven more turnovers than assists. So this is something that we talked about last episode was Kentucky has got to do a better job of valuing possession. And so many people have been criticizing the defense 
And what isn't helping the defense is all these turnovers because that leads to breakaway easy points for the opponent and that just hurts, you know, that's points against UK's defense right there. And then you're inbounding from under the goal and on a breakaway, the other team's already back. So now your offense is suffering as well. Right, so you have really compounded the mistake. And that's kind of the first thing Coach Cal points to, I I think, when he's asked, as he has been often over the last few weeks, about some of the issues with the defense. While not making excuses, I mean, it's clear they need to get better in a lot of the ways they play defense in the half court and stopping the drive and and several other things. But you're right, it starts in many ways, and certainly in the way he sees it, with with the offense. Yeah, and over the last seven games, Kentucky's assist-to-turnover ratio as a team has dropped from 1.69 to 1.41, which would still tie the program's best mark in the shot clock era, which is impressive. But, I mean, you're talking about a big-time drop, and that's because over the last seven games that the assist-to-turnover ratio is 0.93. So you go from 1.69 after 17 games, 0.93 over the past seven. I just never thought we'd... Honestly, Mets, I just never thought Didn't that think this would be a thing issue. we would be talking about. Nope. So that's LSU. I mean, that game was Tuesday. Today's Friday. So that's in the past now. And, you know, what's important for Kentucky is taking that step forward. And that all begins, as we said, is Saturday at Alabama. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk about Bama in just a little bit. But it's an Alabama team that's hot right now. And they just came off a quadruple overtime victory at South Carolina, uh, which was alone in first place in the SEC at the time. So. You know, Kentucky's catching a confident Alabama team that knows if it can win at South Carolina and then in its next game beat Kentucky at home, all of a sudden, you know, they're popping up on that tournament bubble maybe a little bit. When I look at the SEC schedule, fairly or unfairly, I kind of break it down into three levels, which is that's going to be a real tester, top level. And my bottom level is probably got those – then there's that middle level of someone from this pack is going to emerge and that game is going to get interesting and I just don't see it now. I think Alabama, that at Alabama game now, even though I mean it is the next one on the schedule, you look at it and go, "Oh, that that's one that just kind of popped up out of the schedule and now it's oh, that's that's as hairy as any game they'll, they'll play in the conference this definitely, year." Definitely. Definitely. So we'll we'll get into that in just a little bit. Let's recap the news of the week. Um, two pieces of news that are, you know, similar is Deer and Fox and Malik Monk are really good, um, which isn't the actual news. The actual news is that they are two of 20 players named to the Wooden Award late season top 20 list. Uh, the awards presented to the top player in college basketball. Uh, Kentucky's one of three schools, Kansas and UNC being the others, to have two players on the list. And Kentucky's the only school with two freshmen to make the list. Uh, in total, six freshmen made the list. So props to them. Also, Fox and Monk were named to the Naismith midseason top 30 list. They were joined by South Carolina's Sundarius Thornwell on that list. Uh, but Fox and Monk were, uh, Thornwell's a senior, but Fox and Monk are two of eight total freshmen on that list of 30 candidates. So congrats to them. Um, I have written here on the, the rundown, Meet the Wildcats, Hamadou Diallo. We talked about that at the beginning of this podcast, but I uh, really recommend you guys, or, you know, Hope that you guys will check that story out. Um, Brent did the video. It is really well done. And I wrote the story. So hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, Fun kid to talk to. 
and excited to see him play whenever that is. And you did the uh, interview. So Mets really did the heavy lifting here, though I was in the room for all of it. Um, so I think critics of ours will say it was our best collaboration since the Behind Kentucky Basketball podcast. I think with it's looking fair. back. Yeah. And I thought you did an awesome job Thank talking you. to him because there were a few things that you just you, you kind of went, went in, I would imagine, with, with a couple goals in mind. First off, we just want to know who this guy is first. I thought you did a really good job of talking about that and his stuff about growing up in Queens, New York, and how that shaped him as a basketball player and, and truly playing in the parks in New York City, kind of just yeah. as you imagine it was, was, I thought, really interesting. And to hear him tell it is really pretty cool. And then, uh, of course, uh, the other part of it is, okay, that's who this guy is. Now, let's talk more about how you wound up here and how you wound up here and in, in not playing this semester. And and I thought you were uh, did a really good job with the questions on that. And, and he answered it, I thought, really candidly. So it kind of, you know, I don't want to say clears the air because I feel like that has some sort of connotation that perhaps right. it was, I don't know, untruthful or something like that. That's not what I mean. But I guess it... You, you hear it straight from him. Here's why I did it. Here's how I went about it with Coach Cal. He, he, and I just I thought it was really interesting to to kind of set the record straight with all that stuff. So yeah. and a really good dude. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, and and he'll meet with uh, the rest of the media uh, today, which is Friday. Um, so you'll be seeing a lot more stories um, on Hami here in the coming days. But uh, but fun, and I, I liked that when we finished with the interview. I mean, he's. He was very prideful of Queens, and he was showing us, you know, videos of uh, some of the times that he played up on, you know, in the parks in Queens, and and it was cool to just see him, you know, guard totally down, just yeah. like excited, like, hey, check this out, this was really cool. I mean, look at all the people around the court, and it was cool. Um, so uh, fun guy uh, to get to know, and hope you guys enjoy that piece. Listen, if. It's two totally different uh, settings. But watching the videos he showed us on his cell phone of him playing in the parks in New York City when there's just a sea of people basically standing on the sideline and ready to just run out on the court and you are playing to either embarrass or not embarrass and just show out like crazy, I think he's going to be fine when it comes to playing at Rep Arena. Yeah. Two totally different yeah, places. Yeah, he likes that. Yeah. He said he likes that. You and, can tell. Yeah. Uh, so, it, yeah. Check it out. Check it out. Um, let's talk about this preview show. We talked about it at the beginning of the, the episode of this episode, but uh, it comes out Saturday at 1230 on CBS, and that's Eastern Time. And basically what the committee is doing is kind of taking a page out of the BCS, um, I guess, rankings uh, show that they do beginning in, I think it's mid-October. Is that when they do that? Yes. Um, yeah. So, and as Coach Cal said, it, it's an opportunity for the committee just for there to be more transparency in this whole process, and I think that's a really good and smart thing to do. Um, but basically, what they'll be doing is they'll be listing out the top sixteen overall seeds in this show. Um, and so, what that will do is, you know, here are the four one seeds in order. Here are the four two seeds in order and so on and so forth, you know, the four four seeds in order. Um, and this will be completely updated. They're including games played today, Friday. Um, but like you said, I don't, I don't think there's too many. Uh, but there were some big ones Thursday. So 
what we would like to do is we are not going to give you our top 16 in order because as we said earlier we just we haven't dived that deep into Got it jobs where we here, should people. where we should be doing you know taking the time out for that but what we're going to do is we're going to let you guys know here are the four teams that we think are one seeds right now here are the four teams that we think are two seeds and yada yada um but uh we will also warn you as the committee i'm sure will on saturday that it is february 10th uh saturday is february 11th and there is a lot of basketball still to play uh, in the regular season and in the, all the conference tournaments. So I very saw, fluid. Yeah, the, the chairman of the committee is already making the media rounds to kind of, I, I don't know, probably promote this event and, and then to explain where it's coming from. And I, I saw a quote with him where he said there's something like somewhere between 1,200 and 1,300 games that will be played yeah. after this. Now, I am so. sure that once this show is over, there are going to be some people that are just absolutely infuriated and up in arms saying how how could they have that team at that seating y'all pump the brakes it's <laughs> fine it is february it's not even mid-february like it's still on the first half of february and so a lot's going to change it's it's nice it's kind of like the bracketology it's nice to see where teams are and you know just to get that idea of okay this is where they are right now Let's see where they go. But there's no reason to get uh, super bent out of shape about anything that comes from the show. But if you are super bent out of shape, we recommend you tweet your grievances to at CoachCal.com. Yep. It's, it is CoachCal.com's fault. Pro- preferably late at night or early in the morning. Right. Okay. So here are our four seeds. I will start. Um, I think – I honestly – I feel more confident on my one seeds than any of the other seeds. Okay, it doesn't let me, mean I mean doesn't mean it's right, but that's what I feel more confident on. Let me preface this by saying Mets and I have not compared notes. No, I have Mets's in front of me. He does not have mine in front of him. But I will say we have the exact same four teams on the one line. Gonzaga, uh, you know, I would be shocked if Gonzaga is not the number one overall seed. I mean, they're the only undefeated team in the country, um, so. Gonzaga, Villanova, Kansas, and Baylor are the four one seeds for me. And remember, this year the number one overall seed gets its pick of where it wants to play its yes. first and second round games. And I believe the number two overall seed will then get its pick of the next three or of the other three locations. And I believe the third number one seed will get its choice of the remaining two. I believe that's right. Um, and then obviously the fourth number one seed goes where you just go where left. everyone else isn't. Um, okay, the four two seeds that I have, and this is where the struggle got real. Yeah, me too. I, I shuffled these teams a lot, so you know, props to the committee. I can't even imagine doing this for sixty-eight teams. Um, I struggled with sixteen. Uh, my four two seeds. I have UNC. Uh, I don't think Thursday night's loss at Duke really hurts them. Um, you know, they also didn't have Isaiah Hicks, but there's no shame in losing at Duke. So I have North Carolina, I have Florida State, I have Arizona and Oregon. Similar to UNC, I don't think the loss at UCLA really hurts Oregon too much. I have Florida State, Oregon, UNC. So we agree there. 
<sighs> I thought about Arizona. And this, okay, here's the the other tricky part is that you have to keep in mind the committee, and I'm not saying this as a way of arguing my point, but just the the, the balancing act that I try to do in my head is that they're picking it for right now. And like Arizona right. clearly has played some of its best basketball in the last couple of weeks. And so if you say, well, I'm projecting forward, that's a Outside team on the Oregon rise, game. right? <laughs> yeah. Big time with a yeah. big caveat, right? Um, you think, oh, well, they're going in the right direction, but it's kind of like let's freeze it and look at the resume as it stands right, right now. If the season ended right now. Right now. So I kept Arizona off the list, and then I put well, – I kind of cheated. I actually have five teams written down. So huh. I, I, <laughs> I could not decide if I wanted to bump West Virginia or Virginia up to the two line, but I decided let's go with Virginia at the two line. But okay. I Let's keep going. We'll keep going. Okay, so my four two seeds were UNC, Florida State, Arizona, and Oregon, and you had UNC, Florida State, Virginia, and Oregon. Correct. Okay. Uh, three seeds. I have the Kentucky Wildcats. I have Louisville. I have UCLA and West Virginia. And I'm not reading these in any particular order of significance. This is just – these are my right. three seeds. So Louisville, UCLA, Kentucky – West Virginia. So I had Arizona, who you had on the two line, bumps right. down to the three. West Virginia. Wisconsin in Louisville. Okay. So we both had uh, West Virginia and Louisville. Correct. And then I had UCLA and Kentucky. Which I guess is the big lead is that and I don't have I have Kentucky on the four line. I don't have them. Who on are the, your other two three seeds? So I have Louisville, West Virginia, Arizona, and Wisconsin. Okay, I'm glad. I, I like that we have uh, we have some differing here. points. Yeah, and I think that again the Arizona one th- that's tricky. So my yeah, I feel like you could twist. I feel like without much arm twisting, you could. You could get me to bump them yeah. up a line. So Arizona, you know, the reason I have them as a two is they only have three losses. Um, I don't believe any of them are, are egregious, and they played a long time uh, without one of their better players. Um, now, that wasn't due to injury, uh, but I think that the committee will at least keep that in mind. And that's something when you talk about all things equal. Say say it was. Say everyone was playing at 100% strength for the entire season – this would still be a difficult job, but this year in particular, there are some absences. I mean, there were six top ten teams that lost last week. Last week, on on one day, right, right, six. I think eleven of the top twenty-five teams in the country lost at least one game last week. So good luck, right? And so, and I don't know how you weigh. I mean, you know, Duke is going to be the the real question. That is going to be incredibly difficult when you talk about all of the injuries to the players and oh by the way the head coach too you right know, i mean the head he coach missed about a, what a month and and i think neither of us have creighton on the list but creighton fans could make an argument that they should be but they've lost their point guard for the season and right. they're 500 since he's been out but before that there was no question they, they would be in this group 
So what do you do with them? I mean, if you looked at yeah. the blind resume, they still have an argument, but they're clearly Arizona is playing shorthanded. Circumstance a little bit different. Um, so uh, again, that's where it gets that's where it gets a little uh, confusing. But I guess mm. hey, this is behind Kentucky basketball. So let's talk for a second. Give me the reasoning behind Kentucky on the the three line because it se- that seems to be where most people find them. Although some stuff I've seen. You well, don't hear much conversation about the four, but it could be when this comes out that they here, could have a bump. Here's why I have Kentucky on the three: is Kentucky is nineteen and five. Those five losses, um, two of them are at home, okay, but those two losses are to UCLA and Kansas. I have Kansas as a one seed. I have UCLA as a three seed, okay. Another yeah. loss on the road at Louisville. I have Louisville as a three seed. So you're talking about a road loss to a three seed, a home loss to a one seed, a home loss to a one seed. I have one of Kentucky's losses was at Florida. Uh, I have Florida as a four seed. One of the losses is at Tennessee. And, I mean, y'all, Tennessee is, is really good. They're, I mean, let's let's look ahead here. They're number 36 in Ken Palm right now. So if that's your worst loss, it's... I mean, your worst loss is a road loss to a team that's number 36 in Ken Palm's ratings. Um, that That's not bad. And so, yes, there are five losses, but, I mean, hey, West Virginia's got five losses. Yeah, Louisville has five true. losses. North Carolina has five losses. Um, and I have North Carolina as a two seed, and you do too. So a lot of teams have five losses. Kentucky doesn't have, I mean... The worst quote unquote loss again is at Tennessee. That's not that bad of a loss in turn when you look at like Tennessee's RPI. I mean, they hung they should have won at UNC. Tennessee hung tough with Gonzaga. They hung hung tough with Oregon. They hung tough with Wisconsin. All teams we've named Y'all. <laughs> in, in this to- that we've so far discussed the top twelve teams in the country. Right. Yeah, you're right. In in Maybe that's what this exercise does if you're looking at it from a Kentucky-centric point of view is to say, certainly, Kentucky is not without its struggles, but they are not alone. Right. And like you said, UNC, both of us were in agreement that they're on the two line, and they and have Kentucky five losses, them, by the way. and Kentucky beat them. Right. So on a neutral court, so, and, you know, I've I've heard some people say, well, Malik Monk had to score 47 to do that. Okay. But he did it. He he did, and I mean, I'd have to look it up. But Justin Jackson had what, like thirty five oh, yeah, or so. Yeah, he was way north of thirty. So, you know, it's not like it's not like Malik had this performance, and nobody had a standout performance for UNC too. I mean, you could make the same argument for UNC that if Jackson doesn't have the game he does, the game's not close. So, you know, it it's kind of a glass half full or glass half empty. Which which way do you want to look at it? It's your choice. Um, and that's what the committee is going to have to do for a lot of these teams. What do you, what do you value, and what do you dismiss? That's you know that's the end of the game for this. Um, you have them as a four. I do. Um, but I, I'm some part of me thinks maybe I'm standing a little too close to kind of part of me thinks I'm exactly the person we were just talking to which is I'm standing a little too close to it, and I've seen those five losses, whereas some of these guys, it's just a number after a dash. 
and you don't right. remember the ugliness. Mm-hmm. But but I do I do have them as a four. I have Florida as a four, which we okay. are in agreement on. Um, I I put Purdue in there, and I put Duke in there. Um, yeah. And I think that's more of a human element deal. Uh, yeah. So I my fours are I have Virginia as a four, and and I think you know I'll just tell you right now I think that's going to be wrong. Um, I, th- I think Virginia will probably be a three. Uh, the only reason I didn't put him as a three is, is I just didn't know who to take out from my three line. And the team that I kind of looked at taking out was West Virginia. But as I said earlier, West Virginia won at Virginia. Uh, and I just, so I had a hard time uh, kind of doing that. Uh, but I have Virginia as a four. I think they will be a three. Just don't know who, but I have them as a four. I have Florida as a four. I have Wisconsin as a four, and I have Cincinnati as a four. And Cincinnati, you know, that, that schedule isn't uh, what some of these other teams' schedule is, but Cincinnati's 22-2, and two, and, uh, you know, I think you got to reward that. It's, it's a beautiful record. It I, is. I also noted I, have, I think Duke is super close to a four. I think Purdue is super close to a four. So for me— so If it, either of those are fours, I would not be surprised. For me, it means— uh, I don't have UCLA on the top four lines, which seems hard to imagine. But like you said, you, sometimes you just get caught up in the, I don't get how there could be a world where UCLA isn't mentioned in this show on Saturday. But then you start to think, who am I going to bump off that line? And that's where it gets confusing because I think the term, kind of the buzzword that this selection committee uses, bracket compression, which is a way to bracket say compression. everyone's kind of close together. <laughs> So I say it's a it's a it's a matter of bracket compression, but you know, yep. I mean UCLA looked pretty good last night in that second half. Hard to not think that they're not one of the sixteen best teams. I always love that when people say, you know, how does this team belong here? And they always, a lot of times, not always, but a lot of times, they'll fail to say, well, who are you bumping off? <laughs> I you, know, you you can't have. I mean, I know you did have five teams <laughs> on one line. But you can't actually th- do it. You can't actually do it. Uh, the reason I have UCLA in there as a three is so I, I was kind of surprised. I thought you said more losses. UCLA has three losses, and they're at Oregon, at rival USC, and at home to Arizona. Um, so, I mean, their worst loss there is, is at USC, a rival. Um, I don't know if the committee cares And USC is playing pretty good ball not, right now, too. I mean, they're not they're not bad by any means. And they also have wins now over Oregon and at Kentucky. I mean, that's a big win. So, I'll tell you, well, it'll be interesting. It'll be fun to. I'm looking forward to watching it. It'll be a really good exercise. I think you make a really good point that it's hard because to take someone, to put someone in, you got to take someone out. Right. I remember when I was like 10 years old, uh, I was playing you know sports in the summer, and we were on a trip. And I hadn't got – it was kind of you get the age where the coach stops playing everybody, and I was getting almost no PT. And I was pretty sad at the Holiday Inn around the pool (laughs) that night. And my dad said, son, you're good enough to play. But if you go in the game, tell me who you think coach should take out. And I went, oh, yeah. Harsh reality Yep. at 10 years old. I think about it all the time. (laughs) Patted me on the button. That was that. Hard hard lessons learned, but it, but it's true. You got to put someone in. You got to take someone out. So, 
the committee will be have a tough job, but I think what is that? Uh, twelve thirty. Twelve thirty on CBS. Twelve thirty CBS Eastern Saturday. Time. That'll be fun. Um, Joe Lenardi has much more experience doing this than we do. Uh, his latest bracketology uh, came out February sixth. So I would imagine he has. I mean, I think this time of year, I want to say he does two brackets per week. So um, he might come out with a new one uh, by the time you hear this podcast. But on February 6th, he had Kentucky as a three seed. He had Florida as a three seed. Uh, You and I both had Florida as a four seed. So we'll see there. Um, He had South Carolina as a five seed. Hmm. And he had Arkansas as a nine seed. Uh, Tennessee was among the first four teams out. So again, you're talking about he has Tennessee among his first four out, and that is, quote-unquote, the worst loss for Kentucky, and it was on the road against that team. Right. So um, other U.K. opponents in the field for Joey Brackets is Kansas as a one, UNC as a two. He has Louisville as a two. Uh, we had we Louisville as had a three. three. Uh, UCLA he has as a four. I had as a three. You did not have them in there. Uh, Michigan State as an eight and Valparaiso as a 13. So uh, that Valpo win over Kentucky, or excuse me, that Kentucky win over Valpo, is that, that's a really nice non-conference win that's kind of flying under as, the radar. As very early in the season we thought it might, but you just yeah. don't know how it turns out. And then a lot of times you lose track of those teams until Selection Sunday rolls around. But Alec but Peters is continuing to, to play really well, so, um, so that's a nice win, something to keep in mind. All right, let's get into the game previews. Uh, we're going to start off with the game Saturday, and that's at Alabama. That game is at 1 o'clock Eastern time on CBS. Uh, I will be down there in Tuscaloosa. You will be in the state of Alabama. I will. The but land, not at the game. The land of Boogie Cousins. Mo- he's from Mobile, Alabama, wasn't he? I believe so. Somewhere down by the coast. So I'm heading into that area, but for a, a buddy's wedding. Shout out to my friend John. He's uh, tying the knot this weekend, but just coincidentally in the same state which is nice because I'll be able to go uh, find a local establishment, I'm sure, and, and watch the game on uh, the television. But uh, you'll be there in, in Tuscaloosa. I believe they – do they call it – do the locals call that T-Town? I think so. Yeah, T-Town. I think so. Uh, and Coleman like we Coliseum. said earlier, it, it's, uh, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting matchup. So introduce us to the Tide, if you will. So as we said earlier, Alabama is coming off a quadruple overtime victory at South Carolina on Tuesday. Really nice win. Um, I mean, Alabama's defense really clamped down in that game. Uh, South Carolina was 3 of 30 Whoa. at halftime. Um, <laughs> mm. So the Tide... Uh, you know, they're 14 and 9. They're 7 and 4 in the SEC. They're alone in fourth place in the league. So you have that top tier right now of Kentucky, Florida, and South Carolina. And then right below that is Alabama alone in fourth place. Um, they beat Georgia by 20 in Athens, uh, which is impressive. Uh, they lost at Oregon by 9. They lost to that Valpo team that we were just talking about by 8. And they lost to Florida by 13. So just to get a little perspective there on who. Uh, Alabama has beaten and who they have lost to uh, that you might be familiar with. They're one of the deepest teams in the country. They have 10 active players averaging at least 12 and a half minutes a game, which is pretty crazy. Uh, they have eight players scoring at least five and a half points a game, but none more than 11.8. Um, today, or, or not today, on Monday, Coach Kaus was on the SEC Coaches Teleconference and was really... 
uh, impressed by the work that Avery Johnson has done in Alabama. He said uh, what he's done with that team is, quote, amazing. Uh, so the reason he was saying that was Alabama doesn't have that one guy that really puts the team on his back every game. Um, it's it's just a full team effort. And a quote that he said that I really liked was Cal said, their players are good, but their team is really good. And I think that's how you describe Alabama. So, you know, as I'm working on this rundown and I'm trying to, you know, highlight players, you know, I only highlighted a couple because I'm like, I'm saying the same thing mm-hmm. about all these guys. They all put up uh, solid numbers, but nobody really that you're like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. Um, and I think that's a good thing for Bama in the sense that they're not reliant on a single person. If that guy has a bad game, that they're in trouble now. They, everybody is chipping in, uh, which is, you know, I'm sure that he, he likes to see that. I'm sure he'd love to have, you know, a guy be able to do that. Um, and I'm not saying he doesn't have a guy who's able to do that, but Alabama has not got, had a guy who has done that on a consistent basis. Well, when you're building a program, it means that you're getting buy-in across the board and, and forming an identity. And if that's if you're Avery Johnson, you're trying to get something great started down there, that's, that's exactly what you'd want. Like you said, it would be nice to have, you know, I'm sure so, someone who can have those moments of transcendency that so often you see in basketball, but it means they're going about it the right way. And I think when one coach says that about another coach, I think in their profession that's like the highest praise you can sure. give. Sure, especially, yeah, I mean, Cal's a Hall of Famer. Uh, Avery Johnson's a heck of a coach himself. I believe he was NBA Coach of the Year. That's right. Uh, so um, something to keep in mind there. Uh, but it does, sorry to cut you off, no, it does fine. make it difficult in exercises such as this because, like you said, you, you just look for things to latch on to. But this team is truly a sum of the parts. So as you go through the preview, it's tough because yeah. you either talk about all of them or you talk about, you know, just you're picking a few of them. Right. So it's difficult. On Ken Palm, Alabama is number 61. Uh, the offense has struggled. They're number 157 in offense. But on defense, Alabama is number 23. Uh, so really strong defensive team, as we mentioned, uh, with that South Carolina performance. Um, for perspective, Alabama is at 61, Michigan State is number 57, Texas A&M is number 65. So somewhere in between there. It's a very slow, deliberate offense. They're in 275th in terms of pace of play. Um, Which is really, I mean, that's really slow. Right. Uh, they rank, it's a very good rebounding team. Uh, they rank 35th in offensive rebounding percentage, and they have the number, and that's nationally, and they have the number one rebounding margin in the SEC at plus 6.6 per game. So, uh, you know, Kentucky has struggled on the glass at Florida. Uh, they rebounded, pun intended, mm-hmm. well uh, from that against LSU. So now they have another tough test in Coleman Coliseum on Saturday. That will be something to watch. Freshman forward Braxton Key, if you're going to pick out a key guy, I would I'm just – Was that two gosh, in a I'm row? Just, Drop leak. Drop Take it from a right guy now. who Woo! worked in local news. You, my friend, Man. have that's strong, strong effort. Local news loves a good pun, and that back to back. So okay. Braxton Key is six foot eight. He leads the team in scoring at eleven point eight points a game and rebounds at six rebounds a game. He was a four star prospect coming out of high school. He's around sixty ish, 
nationally. Uh, that's not an actual number, uh, but mm-hmm. it's around there. Um, redshirt freshman guard Dazon Ingram is six foot five. He's second on the team in scoring at ten point one points a game, uh, grabbing four point six rebounds a game, and a team high three point three assists per game. So, I mean, you're talking about the second leading scorer on the team is putting up about ten points a game. That's the balance and that scoring right there. You know, the scouting report is going to be difficult in my opinion. I mean, who do you key in on? Yeah, for Kentucky, <laughs> it's after the week they've had. It's it's a toughness test with a team that's balanced and that rebounds the ball really well at home. So again, like we said at the beginning of this thing, it's it's be an interesting and telling game to watch Saturday mm-hmm. against an Alabama group that is a sum of the parts operation. The next uh, game that we will preview is Tuesday's game, uh, Valentine's Day against Tennessee. That's Valentine's Day, right? Yes, Every, it is. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, that game is at Rupp Arena. It's at seven o'clock on Tuesday on ESPN. Uh, Tennessee is fourteen and ten now. They're six and five in the SEC. I mean, this is a team that's really it's it's red hot. There, there's really no other way to say it. Uh, the Volunteers opened SEC play one and four. They are five and one since then in SEC play, and they also defeated Kansas State in the SEC Big Twelve Challenge. Uh, their lone loss was a five-point loss at Mississippi State. So, you know, when Kentucky played Tennessee, I believe Tennessee was two and four at the time in the SEC. And, you know, Tennessee played really well that, that night, and they've continued it. Um, this is the first team that Kentucky has played for a second time this season. That first meeting was an 82-80 loss in Knoxville. Uh, Tennessee led for nearly 30 minutes in that game. Um, and it was really the beginning of this slide that Kentucky's been on. I'm not sure personally that that's where it originated. I think maybe, um, you know, in that win at Mississippi State, Kentucky had a lead and it couldn't really hold on. Um, or it did hold on, but Mississippi State fought its way back uh, before that against Auburn. Kentucky had a, a lead, a big lead against Auburn and, Auburn fought its way back. Um, Vandy kind of did as well. So, you know, it was kind of brewing there. And it finally, you know, boiled over against Tennessee. And and Coach Cal said immediately after the Tennessee game, if this team doesn't, you know, shape up real quick, it's going to result in two or three more losses. And it did. So he was spot on in that assessment. Um so it, it's a rematch for Kentucky. It's an opportunity uh, for Kentucky to to get back on one of those, and now it's playing on its home court. But, uh, you know, I forgot what game it was earlier in the year, but we kind of talked about, I think it was the South Carolina game, where we talked about, you know, revenge is, is a small little thing, but it's probably overplayed. Yes. It's more just an opportunity for Kentucky to get a win. Right. You've got to be know. hungry for, for wins. And, and as we were saying, Tennessee's number 36 in Ken Palm. All of a sudden now, if Kentucky can get a win against Tennessee at Rupp, um, who cares if it's at Rupp? That's a good win for the resume. And it's a great win if Tennessee can get a win against Kentucky at Rupp. I mean, obviously, yeah, if, if Tennessee could sweep, and they know they and know that's where huge they stand for their resume, then yeah, they're they're one of the first four out right now, so a big opportunity for them too. Um, you know, we'll we'll rehash. You know, we said this when we previewed Tennessee uh, back in late January, but we'll rehash some of this. Tennessee has two healthy players. Healthy is the key word there. 
They have three players total at 6'7 or taller. Tennessee has two healthy players at 6'7 or taller. Neither of those two guys play more than 14.3 minutes a game. Um, now, despite that tidbit, uh, UK only out-rebounded Tennessee by one in their first appearance. Uh, Tennessee outscored Kentucky 42-28 to in the paint. And UK attempted 24 three-pointers, which is its third highest total in SEC play this season. Um, and the season high is 25. So, um, you know, I, I, you would imagine that this time around, Kentucky's going to try and really take advantage of the height there. Uh, but you, we'll would, you would think. But something, again, that they did not do in Knoxville. Right. Um, so as, as we've said a few times now, Tennessee's 36 in Ken Palm. By comparison, Indiana's 42. Um, it's another very deep team. They rank 19th nationally in bench minutes. And uh, they're averaging about six made three-pointers a game, even less than that in SEC play. So a team that's not really reliant on the three ball. And their bench was great in Knoxville against yes. Kentucky. Uh, the guy who's probably the best in Knoxville was senior guard Robert Hubbs third. He's 6'5". He had 25 points against Kentucky, uh, was 9 of 14 from the field, had seven rebounds. Um, he leads the team in scoring. He's second on the team in rebounding overall. Uh, freshman forward Grant Williams, he's 6'5", also, so he's a forward at 6'5". Hubs is a guard at 6'5". Um, Williams had 13 points. He really filled up the stat sheet. Impressive performance by him in Knoxville against Kentucky. He had 13 points, six boards, six assists, four blocks, three steals, no turnovers in 28 minutes. Um, he's second on the team in scoring and leads the team in rebounding. Uh, redshirt freshman guard Lamont Turner Six feet tall. Uh, in the first meeting, he had 10 points, seven boards, three assists, no turnovers in 22 minutes. You know, kind of what you're seeing is a bunch of efficient numbers uh, from Tennessee. That's how they won that game. Um, sophomore forward Admiral Schofield, he had four, uh, 15 points, excuse me, seven rebounds in 27 minutes. Uh, he's averaging 7.3 points and 3.9 rebounds. So, talking about a guy who pretty much doubled his numbers uh, against, almost doubled his minutes too, uh, when Kentucky and Tennessee met the first time based on his season average. So, But he's a guy who's played a lot better in SEC play, um, averaging more than three points a game more in SEC play, pulling in almost two rebounds more in SEC play, playing about four minutes more in SEC play. So he's really kind of uh, stepped his game up in conference action. As, as you pointed out, most of this team has after the first three weeks of conference yeah. play. They've kind of been a different group. And, and look, we know from watching Kentucky play Tennessee once this year that they're going to make Kentucky guard for entire possessions. I mean, they, they really had a, a lot of success against Kentucky in the half-court offense. Kind of, it's you know, they kind of run their stuff, and it's a little bit different just because they have these kind of bigger – scoring guards in hubs but then their post players are not not as tall and they take a lot of 10 foot jumpers but they're really efficient in the half court offense they, play they run really hard and they they do they play really hard it was just a chore for a kentucky team that's still learning what it takes to really guard and sustain defense consistently especially in the half court uh and it kind of got exposed in knoxville 
and we've seen more of it in the weeks that followed. And so here you go, man. You get to see where is that improvement now. And, and you know, for me, this reboot, so much of it is about obviously rebounding and defense and just an overall toughness and grittiness that goes into both those things. And you get Alabama, who's the best rebounding team in the conference, and then you get Tennessee, who really took it to you offensively in a loss earlier this season, and you get them back-to-back, and it'll be a great barometer to see, has this kicked in yet? Couldn't agree more. Could not agree more. Um, I think that when we tape this podcast next week, that that will be, we will know a lot more about this reboot. Um, I think especially with that Tennessee game, just from the simple fact that we've seen Kentucky play this team once before. So, you know, as opposed to Alabama, where it's the first time they've played, you're going to learn a lot from that. Like you said, it's the best rebounding team uh, statistically in the SEC. But Tennessee, you've seen Kentucky play Tennessee once. Now you've seen them play a second time. What's changed? Or has anything changed? Um, You know, not to toot our own horns, but I think if you listened back to our preview show for that Tennessee game the first time, you know, we both really talked about how hard this Tennessee team plays. If you've seen them play this year, like, that's what they do. That's their calling card. And they were 1-4 in the SEC. Uh, they were 2-4 and four at the time. But they start off 1-4 in, in the SEC, and now they're one of the first four teams out uh, in the NCAA tournament pool. So, the, really impressive turnaround by Rick Barnes. He's done a great job this season. Um, and it's it will be a very interesting game at Rupp to see where Kentucky is. Yeah, I, I, I'm, uh, and, and like Coach Callis said, this is not a reboot that's going to click in a, in a week. Yeah. But I am excited to see how much progress you can make in a week. So we're not expecting finished products, but let's yeah. see if it's starting to take hold. Yeah, and, and I think what he said was uh, the downturn has been about three weeks. So if it, if it took that long for it to, to break down, it's going to take a while to build back up as mm-hmm. well. Um, the promising thing I think you would say is that for 32 minutes it did look strong against LSU, um, but now you're, you know, not. I'm trying to word this right, but you know LSU right now is struggling in the SEC, and you have Alabama who's fourth place in the SEC, and Tennessee, who's you know one. Five of its last six right. in SEC play. Say what you want to say, but LS, so. LSU is struggling, and these other two teams right now are not. Right. So, so we'll it, see. It'll be interesting. Um, you can always listen to the Behind Kentucky Basketball podcast on CoachCal.com. If you go under the We Are UK tab, uh, we have all of the podcasts listed uh, right there for your listening pleasure. You can also listen, review, and subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher by searching Behind Kentucky Basketball. On social media, you can follow CoachCal.com on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at CoachCal, D-O-T-C-O-M, and UK Sports Network on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at UK Sports Network. So it'll be a fun week of games for Kentucky. Uh, Saturday will be a lot of fun to see the bracket preview show and see where teams uh, land. And, uh, you know, we'll review and see how we did in our assessment. Um, But thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you guys enjoy the weekend. Uh, Brent, safe travels down to Alabama. Likewise. Have fun at the wedding. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. See you next week. See you next week.